0: Hello my beautiful beans and welcome to today's episode. This is an encore episode of my, one of my all-time favourite episodes um, and one of the most loved episodes by far and it was very, very shared. A lot of people got a lot out of it and it is all on self-love and finding your worth. I feel like this is a great one to re-listen to because there's a lot of things that you can kind of remind yourself of to stay on track. And if you've not listened to this one yet and you enjoy the self-love episodes, then I think you're going to absolutely love this one. So enjoy the episode and have an amazing day. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, which I'm going to be focusing on self-love and self-worth. So I... I think that my self-love episode was one of my most popular episodes and still a lot of the questions that I get in my DMs or emails on the Facebook group or even when I ask like a question on my Instagram and you guys fill in like the question box, a lot of it does come down to like how to work on your self-love or how to work on your relationship with yourself or, you know, negative self-talk and all of that and I've spoken about this before but this episode will go about it in a lot more, will go into it in a lot more depth but basically one of the main things in order to get self-love is to have self-worth and self-respect you can't have self-love if you don't value yourself and if you don't respect yourself so that's kind of what I consider to be like the precursor to self-love so that's what this episode is going to be. Now before we get into the topic of today I did want to go into a bit of a pharmacology brain fact it's not really just the brain but it you know pharmacology and cells and the brain it's all kind of linked. I actually want to talk about the role of aspirin and what happens when you take aspirin what's happening in your body and what happens when you overdose and why an aspirin overdose is so dangerous and fun fact at the end of that I'll be explaining why an aspirin overdose is or can be worse than a heroin overdose really really interesting and it's all about like the pharmacology of how it acts on the brain. Now, if you're not interested in pharmacology and if you're not interested in understanding how this stuff works on your nervous system, just fast forward a bit, maybe five minutes or so to get into the episode. However, aspirin is a very common drug that most people do take at one point in their lives. So I think it is important to educate yourself because often you'll have you know, doctors saying only take this amount or don't take this before you go into surgery or don't do that, and, but The explanation isn't there behind it, so people don't understand the severity of these warnings that are given. So I think it is important to educate yourself on the shit that you're putting into your body whenever possible. So let's talk about aspirin. How does aspirin work? So aspirins are also known as NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. These drugs are often taken when we have a fever. So when you have a fever, your body fights infection by raising its temperature to cause a fever on purpose. The reason the body does that is so it makes the body inhospitable for any pathogens invading the body. So a fever, to an extent, is actually very good for you because it is helping rid itself of all these toxic pathogens within the body. So along with this, then you've got immune cells that are activated to release all these kinds of toxic chemicals to kill these invaders and then other chemicals that promote more immune cells getting involved And this whole process is known as inflammation. So all of this action is made to kill the invaders. However, that is also causing damage to our own cells as well. Obviously, our own cells don't like it when the temperature is too hot. It obviously doesn't like all these toxic chemicals being brought in. So it is going to cause some damage not major damage especially if it's like a regular fever that only lasts for you know a couple of days but it is going to cause some damage to our own cells so that's when we have a fever our body aches because our cells are being put under a lot of strain during that time but remember so fever is it's completely natural so it fights off infection even if it does some damage to the cells in the process it's totally normal in order for the body to just get rid of these pathogens So fever-reducing drugs really should only be taken if the fever is excessively high, like, you know, dangerously high that it's causing too much damage and the doctors, like, will give you kind of like a bracket of what that is, I'm not 100% sure – um, or if the fever has lasted for more than a few days, where you should obviously be going to the doctor anyway because you need to be treating what the infection is in the first place. You know how often, like if you have, let's say you cut your hand or something, then that area will get really, really hot. That's the body trying to heat up that area. So it's killing any infection that has gotten in there. If, if it doesn't get hot, it's probably not infected. So a fever does indicate some sort of an infection. So what happens in the body when you are getting the the inflammation or the fever. So there's a fat-derived molecule called prostaglandin, which is responsible for the fever, the inflammation and the pain. And aspirin treats these fever symptoms by preventing the further production of these prostaglandins. So there's this process where prostaglandins are cut off at the cell membrane. So they enter the cell and they're kind of cleaved by an enzyme called phospholipase A2. Then, so they're cleaved by this phospholipase A2, and then this is where it where aspirin plays a role. A different enzyme called cyclooxygenase creates kind of like a ring and it adds oxygen to the prostaglandin to form a whole range of different kinds of prostaglandins. So um, when you add oxygen to a particle, it changes how that particle behaves. Or so, literally, when you add anything to it could be oxygen, it could be like a carbon, it could be anything. But if you add in this case, if you're adding oxygen to it, it creates all these different kinds of prostaglandins, which then serve their own function. Like There's a whole range of them, but they do things such as stimulating immune cells, causing an increase in body temperature. They make the nerves more sensitive to pain, constrict blood vessels. They help the blood clot. They even produce more mucus in the stomach lining to protect your stomach lining from stomach acid, et cetera, and things like that. So aspirin works by stopping cyclooxygenase. So it stops, which then, if you stop cyclooxygenase, you stop the production of these prostaglandins, and therefore you're able to reduce all these fever symptoms caused by these prostaglandins. So basically, the aspirin binds to the molecule, and it co- it forms something called a covalent bond to that molecule, that cell, um, and that way, that cell cannot have its actions it can't you know produce these prostaglandins a covalent bond is an irreversible bond so once it's bound to the cell it cannot be reversed i'm going to go back to that in a sec that's what makes this so interesting now the thing about aspirin is that when taken in small doses as prescribed it does its job you know sometimes people with really um high risk of heart condition or, you know, blood clotting and all of that, they're put on a very low dose of aspirin every single day to prevent, you know, any heart conditions or anything like that. However, if you're at low risk, you shouldn't be taking aspirin. I think people, some people out there, not not necessarily the younger generations, but I feel there's this idea in the older generations like that you take a quarter aspirin a day, you keep the doctor away. It's not the case. If you are at risk of heart disease, then yes, the doctor may recommend that and that's what you need. But if you're not at risk, it's not recommended that you take aspirin for no good reason because it's doing things like damaging your stomach lining by preventing the mucus in your stomach lining, which is obviously very important for you. It also prevents a certain enzyme from um, being produced which then raises another enzyme so it makes it more dangerous for asthmatics and things like that so obviously unless you actually need to take it and you have had a medical professional say you should take this every day don't take it now even more interesting an overdose so aspirin works differently to other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs as it's got, like I said, an irreversible effect on the cyclooxygenase enzyme. So it forms that covalent bond, that irreversible bond, which cannot be reversed. And if it cannot be reversed, this effect is going to continue until that enzyme turns over, as in until the enzyme is replaced, which it depends on, you know, some cells take a few hours, some cells take a few days, and some cells take, you know, weeks to be replaced – But for this particular one, I believe it's a matter of like, mm, I think it's like half a day or something for for that particular enzyme to turn over. The problem here is if you take too much aspirin and you're getting way too much blood thinned, then what happens is you've got really, really thin blood. You're not able to, you know, clot with the platelets that you need to be clotting. And this is where you can get... um, Breathing difficulties, breathing through areas through the the brainstem, which regulates, you know, heart rate, breathing, blood pressure, all of that. And that's where you can actually have such a big enough overdose that you can die. The issue here is with something like a covalent bond is that once you take the drug, it cannot be reversed. So once you've taken this huge amount of aspirin, if you then, if the doctors then try and intercept that person who's taken that massive overdose, you know how like some people might overdose by taking a huge amount of pills. The issue then is that the only way that they can intercept this overdose is by trying to stop your body metabolizing whatever is left in your stomach. So they'll try and either pump your stomach or pump your stomach full of charcoal and do certain things to try and stop the metabolism of this drug. But because that bond is irreversible, there's nothing that you can do to the actual aspirin that has already um, bonded with that enzyme. So that is why aspirin overdoses are so dangerous. Now fun interesting fact when it comes to a heroin overdose which heroin is you know considered like a really hard drug it's like an opioid drug which is derived from morphine it's extremely strong obviously it's you know very addictive drug heroin interestingly enough can be reversed by a drug called Narcan, or the the pharmacological drug is naloxone and it can actually reverse the action of heroin so what it does is that this particular drug reverses the depression of the central nervous system because it the drug competes for the same binding spot as the active drug so let's say the opioid lands on this receptor it's causing you know this overdose it's causing the effect of the heroin when you take something like naloxone it goes in and competes for that same binding site and it knocks the opioid off that site and it lands on that site and it's kind of like a like an adrenaline uh, which then reverses the effects of that opioid and it like snaps that person back to life So that's what's really interesting about how pharmacology works within the brain. You have certain things that can knock something off a receptor because it's not, for example, an opioid does not form a covalent and irreversible bond, whereas something like an aspirin does form um, an irreversible bond. So fuck, I just think that's a really interesting fact. So if you guys also found that really fun and interesting, then share it around. Fucking love pharmacology. Anyway, that's the fun fact for the day. Let's get straight into the topic of today. So today we're talking about self-love, in particular self-worth, how to gain self-worth. Because like I said at the start of the podcast, it, I just don't think it's possible to love yourself if you don't value yourself, if you don't think that you are worthy, if you don't think that you are valuable to other people, if you don't think that you are important to yourself, to others or to even like animals or and if you don't feel that you have importance, then you feel worthless and when you feel worthless, it's pretty hard to then have self-love. So I think that if you can really focus on ways that you can feel worthy, then you're going to really start to change how you feel about yourself and your relationship with yourself is going to get a whole lot better. This episode today, I'm going to be touching on three main topics that I want to talk about in order to increase or three main um, you know, ways to increase your self-worth. I'm going to break them down now and then I'll go into them in detail. So number one, providing value for others. Number two, to give a shit about others in particular. And number three, to respect your body and mind. So let's go into this in a lot more detail. So number one, provide value for others. Providing value for others, and again, this could be for the environment, it could be for animals or it could be for other people, but it's this idea of bettering your relationship with the external, with external uh, – I'm for, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to be talking about human beings. I'm going to be talking about relationships with people. But if you have this with, you know, nature, animals, whatever, you also can gain a lot of um, – self-worth doing this as well but for all the the purpose of this podcast the examples that I'm going to be using is with human relationships because that's the most common one here. So when you're talking about providing value, you've got to look at it as what am I providing for other people that isn't something that they can just get from absolutely anywhere? Because the more unique the thing that you can provide for somebody is, the more helpful it is, the more important it is to that person the more they are going to value you and the more helpful you feel that you are being. So when you look at what it is that you do, you've got to ask yourself, what value am I providing? Is it replaceable? And if it is replaceable, how easily replaceable is it? And that's going to give you an indication as to how valuable you actually are. Are to other people and I'm talking about it could be in work it could be in relationships as a friend as a romantic partner as a relative all these things that's why if you gotta look at it this way that's why a human to human connection with a friend where you sit down and have a conversation and where you're having a hard time and you sit down with a friend and they provide a shoulder to cry and they provide emotional support that is not very easily replaced that's of high value something that's easily replaced is something like a like on social media. You might get like a little like, oh, that's exciting, but any motherfucker can give you a like on social media. Anyone can comment a love heart emoji on a photo that you post. All these things are very replaceable, so they're not of high value because that can be provided by anyone. So, you've always got to look at what value am I actually providing? Is your way of connecting with people by, like, oh, yeah, but I connect with my friends because I, you know, I like their photos or like I go lol on one of their stories that they post. Like, you've got to look at your interactions with other people and think how replaceable is what I'm doing? How easily repeatable is what I'm doing, is what I'm doing right now, could that also be done by a thousand other people, you know, and it only takes a second to do? If the the answer is yes, then you're not really providing that much value to that relationship. You've got to think about like, am I the person that will take the time to do something for my friends and family? Am I the person that's going to sit and listen to somebody? Am I the person that's, you know, going to – you know, when it comes to work? Am I the person that's going to put in my heart and soul into what I'm doing to genuinely provide value, not just to whoever's employing me or to my own business, but to people that are consuming what I'm offering? So that is what you need to start asking yourself to to see if you can feel more worthy and feel that you have more worth as, you know, a friend, a partner, a brother, sister, father, mother, whatever. Now, it might sound a little bit cutthroat and it might sound – you know, mean or whatever, but that is just a fact of life. Take a look at the people that you are the closest to. Who do you value the most? Genuinely, who do you value the most? Sit down and have a think about it. Is it the people that, you know, are just good times friends, the ones that are like there for when you want to go drinking, there to comment on your photo, there to like your photo, or are they the ones that when the chips are down, they are there? They're, They're, you know, knocking on your door being like, hey, let's talk. They're calling you. They're like, are you okay? Let's have a chat. I'm, I'm checking in on you. I'm going to call you. If you've gone through a breakup, are they the ones there listening to you repeat yourself again and again and again, even if you're so annoying, but they just want to be there because they care about you. They care about you going through a hard time. Are they the people that when you're succeeding, they are there wanting to build you up, helping you go further, giving you connections, trying to help you win at life? All these people offer extremely high value and are not easily replaced. So you can do a bit of an inventory into all your friends. And there are some friends whose actions are replaceable. And there's some friends whose actions are not replaceable. So I don't want to say that humans are replaceable, but actions definitely can be replaceable or irreplaceable. Now I look at it as I always compare it to kind of like um, what value you provide when you, you know, with people's jobs. And that that way gives you a good indication of why people are paid what they are. Whether it's fair or whether it's unfair, this is how society runs. You are paid in accordance to how much value you provide. It doesn't mean that you're a better person or a worse person or whatever. But in the job that you're doing, you can pretty much – Get a good idea of what income you're gonna make based on how much value you provide and how many people you can reach. If the job that you are doing can be easily replicated by absolutely anyone and it takes zero effort and zero qualifications, then I would imagine that your pay rate would be pretty low. That's where minimum wage comes in because you're doing a job that's probably very easily replicated in general, not always, but in general. Then you look at other jobs where you are impacting a lot of people or impacting people by changing their life or a job that's taken you you know, years to become qualified, like take like a, a, a doctor a surgeon, um, a psychologist, an engineer, you know, you're impacting a lot of people. What you bring to the table, yes, it's replaceable, but it's not easily replaceable. So then your money then goes up again because you are offering something that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of persistence, discipline, drive, to get you to offer that amount of money. It doesn't make you a better person, but you are offering something of more value because it's harder to replace you. And then take it to the next level altogether where you're talking about there are certain people that hold roles that are pretty much irreplaceable. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a better person, but you're talking about things like certain actors, certain comedians. There are certain comedians that have lived and died who absolutely could not be replaced. Look at Robin Williams, for example. You know, there, there are artists out there who they provided something so unique that no one could ever truly replicate it. You also get it with, you know, a handful of athletes that they're just like, They look like they've come from another planet and they feel so irreplaceable because what they offer is absolutely unique. And if that team lost that athlete, they couldn't just easily replace them no matter how many millions of people are trying to do what that person is doing. So then those people are the ones making insane amounts of money because the people that they're working for or the teams that they're working in think that they are of that big value and they impact that many people around the world, whether they offer them, you know, escapism because that you know a comedian makes people forget about their worries for the moment that they're listening to them or an athlete gives someone excitement if you're you know if you're supporting that team and all of that what that person has to offer um, is pretty much irreplaceable so I always look at like what I have to offer in relationships I kind of like scale it to something like that again for the millionth time I'm not talking about are you a better person are you no it's what value are you providing to someone else so now use that analogy of careers and jobs and work and put that into how you are as a person and what value you provide to other people are you always bitching about people are you always whinging are you the whinger in the group are you the one who's always tearing people's ideas down are you the one who's always like if someone if something good happens to someone then you have to quickly find something like negative to say about that person or if someone seems really happy on social media you're the person to be like oh well they're probably miserable behind closed doors you know like when someone wins are you there celebrating with them when someone is sad can you be bothered to take the time and sit with them and be their shoulder to cry on can you be bothered that after that sad moment has happened to continue to check in on that person for the next week month year when something bad has happened if you have someone who's going through a hard time what value do you provide to them? Are you someone that's super replaceable, semi-replaceable or irreplaceable? I can guarantee you the more irreplaceable you become to the people around you because of the value that you provide to that person's life, I can guarantee you that your self-worth will go up because the people around you start to value you massively. They start to see the impact that you have on their lives and they know that that is irreplaceable, they value that. And you would know the same because I can assure you that you can think of at least one person in your life that is irreplaceable, that you you can't think of anyone that could replace them because of the value that they offer in your life or what they provide for you. So how are you like that to other people? And how many people do you impact that way? And if it's not many, great, this is the starting point and this is how you can start to turn things around and think, maybe the reason I don't value myself is because I'm not putting in that much effort to make other people feel loved or cared for or supported when necessary. It's weird but amazing how the more you try and help and lift other people up, the better you're going to feel about yourself. It truly is. It's like this whole charity thing. So many people feel so much better when they give to someone else. It makes them feel good. So whether they do it for a selfish purpose or whether they do it for a selfless purpose – they're still feeling so much better when they give back, when they give money, give, you know, um, their time, give assistance. A lot of people do that because they know it builds them up and makes them feel good. So that is the number one thing that I want you to take a look at. Um, Do you provide value? Okay, and then you can do uh, it. For me, the most important kind of value is in relationships. That for me is number one. But then I also really find that if you can stretch that across to as many areas of your life as possible, the better you're going to feel. So for me, I find that, you know, I've been very, 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 you know, grateful that my career, which is, you know, doing this podcast and the studying that I'm doing and all of that does provide value for other people. So while I can be focusing on the value that I can provide for the people that are close to me, I also feel really excited and really happy all the time because my job also does provide that value. So you can kind of maybe have a look at your career because a lot of people get really stuck um with their lives because they're kind of like I don't know if this is the job that I want to do I don't know one of the ways to help you make that decision is to think am I happy with the value that I provide to other people in this career and that's actually going to really help you you know figure out if that's what you want to do or not and don't ever think that your career has to be this selfless act in order for you to feel like you've got purpose in your career that you're providing value not at all You can be doing – it could be a science, it could be something in the arts, it could be – it does not matter what you are doing. But if you are doing it feeling like I want to provide value for other people, not how much money can I make doing this, then I can guarantee you you're going to start to feel more worthy as a person because your aim in that career goes from being like I need to make this amount of money – and it turns around to being like how many people or how deeply can i impact somebody with what i am doing and the beauty of that is the more the more value you find within the work that you're doing and the more purpose that you feel that you have the money weirdly enough just it just Happens, it comes because people are magnetized to people that have a purpose in what they're doing. People are magnetized to this energy of like, I'm doing what I should be doing. This is my calling. This is what I have to do. I'm passionate about, you know, helping these people or doing this thing or whatever that you attract like minded people and that's where you can expand on your business and whatever. You know, I honestly can speak from experience when many times in my life I've thought, maybe I should start this, maybe I should start that. I want to make more money than what I'm making. What if I had this side hustle here? What if I did that? But it wasn't until I thought, fuck, I love this. I could talk about this day in, day out. Imagine if I could get people passionate about the brain. It wasn't until that that I started feeling true purpose in what I did. And I started doing it where there was zero income. And now I'm making income off it because it just happened. People started getting attracted to something because I was so passionate about sharing this information. So it doesn't matter what you do whether you need a degree, whether you don't need a degree, whether you need some sort of certificate or whether you don't. It does not matter. It's, it comes down to with are you providing value for people and is your purpose behind doing something to provide value for other people? Because if it is, you're going to start to feel a whole lot better about yourself. You're going to wake up with purpose every day. And that is one of the first steps to self-love. All right. Number two, give a shit about others. I cannot impress upon you this number two enough. Like, this is huge to give a shit about others, but genuinely give a shit about others. Are you a good listener? Are you, do you pay attention when people say things? Do you take the time to remember what somebody told you so you can then ask them about it again? And if you've got a shit memory, fine, then just do it for maybe five people in your life. It doesn't have to be for everyone in your life, but the people that are supposedly important to you, do you take the time to care about what they're telling you, that you're interested, you ask them questions. When you have a conversation, is it a two-way street or is it, you know, about just you know, problems or issues of yourself, how how much do you give a shit about the people around you and what they're saying? Because, for example, I did this little experiment on, you know, for myself, because one thing that I used to always do is like, I'd be busy like replying to messages or emails or whatever, that every time I'd get into an Uber, I'd get in the Uber, sit in the back, say hi, how's it going? Yeah, good. And I'd start responding to all my messages and whatever. And that would be it. So then last month I did this little experiment to see Even if I'm not in the mood, let's just try, every time I get in an Uber, which is quite often, to have a conversation with the driver. Am I gonna feel drained or whatever am I going to feel like I didn't get to rest in the uber am I going to feel less productive because I had the chat or am I going to feel better so I started getting to into the uber and I'd sit there and I'd learn about this person's life I'd ask them okay well you know have you always lived here were you born somewhere else what not the 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 standard question that I think everyone asks an uber driver um busy day today I think everyone that was me always I'd get in say hey how are you good has it been busy yeah oh cool right Whereas then I'd change it, we'd start to, and so literally in the last few Uber drives I've had, I've spoken to people that are from, you know, the island of Seychelles and spoken about their life there. I've spoken to people about their opinion on, you know, you know, COVID, their opinion on politics, their opinion on like the property market. Like you get into the most random, deep conversations with people that when I leave, I'm literally like, oh, my God, you know, good luck with this. Good luck with that. I hope everything goes well or, you know, good luck with, you know, someone just got engaged. Good luck with your engagement. And I live in the best fucking mood ever. I'm probably never going to see that person again, right? But I was able to engage with someone, have a legitimate conversation where I gave a shit and I felt good about myself. And it wasn't fake. I wasn't doing it purely just to feel good about myself. I was doing it to be like, can I form a connection with someone even if I think that I'm going to have nothing in common with this person. And the beauty is I've spoken to people that I have nothing in common with and still had a great time because you're in a situation. If you can capitalize on these situations where you are in a situation where you could have a conversation with somebody, then do it. And if you're someone that's not confident, this is the perfect way to start. Something like an Uber or I can't think of any other ideas off the top of my head, but some a situation where you're literally with someone else and it can't hurt to talk. So if you're someone that's not really confident and you're not sure how to build up your confidence, use that as a starting point. Start a conversation with somebody that, you know, is driving you somewhere or, you know, that's serving you somewhere and there's a wait time for something. You know, these are the opportunities that you can have to start to expand on your confidence because, all it takes is for you to show interest in somebody because the truth is that everyone's favourite topic really is themselves or their lives. So if they've got someone talking to them, asking them about their life and asking them, they're likely to open up. Not everyone and you're going to get some people that shut you down. Who cares? But in general, you're going to have people that want to open up and tell you a story and that just enriches your life. And then you start feeling that you are worth more because you like, I've just provided – you know, something in this experience. I've asked questions, I've given a shit and now I've left caring about this person, learning something, possibly I just learnt something and now I've left... And I feel a lot better. I've got, you know, oxytocin, endorphins. I'm feeling really good. I walk out. The last thing I'm doing is feeling shit about myself. That is the last thing I'm feeling when I exit that Uber or when I exit that conversation that I just had. So what I mean by giving a shit is to engage with people and ask them questions. Care about them. Remember things that they've told you. So if you see them again, you can ask them about it. You are going to feel... Your self worth is going to go up because people are going to notice that you care and they reciprocate. People mirror people all the time. So if you show that you give a shit, then people are going to give a shit about you. And when people care about you, you feel worthy, okay? And then you're able to then care about yourself. Ideally, you would like to be caring about yourself first. But if you feel that you're struggling with self-worth, then you're going to find that it really helps when you can provide value, when you can show someone that you give a shit and then they reciprocate in return. That's where it all begins and then you really start feeling worthy within yourself but also within your relationships and also within society and any community or group that you are in. You feel that you you provide value, you provide worth. Now, now number three, Respect your body and mind. This is probably one of the best and simplest ways to start your journey to self-love. By respecting your body and your mind. You cannot love yourself if you don't respect yourself. So what are things that you can do? The first, This is what I would first recommend. I would write down a list of ways that you, of, or, you know, things that you do that disrespect your body or your mind like what are you doing right now that is disrespectful to you could it be that you know you you've always wanted to exercise but you never do it and you find that that's not really respecting your body because it needs to move in order to feel good so are you someone that like never puts in the time for your own body Um, do you feed it properly or are you always feeding it rubbish Um, do you feed your mind rubbish all the time do you allow people to say shit and you agree with it do you always put yourself down in front of other people is your language really you know demoralizing to yourself in front of other people it doesn't matter if you think it's funny or whatever but uh, what are ways that you disrespect yourself write it all down write everything down you don't have to reiterate it. This is not so you focus on it and think about it every day. But I just want you to be super aware that once you can write all these things down, like what do I say about myself? What do I tell other people about myself? What, do I, what am I putting into my body? Am I giving myself proper sleep? Do I respect myself enough to give myself a good night's sleep? If I don't have good sleep, am I trying to fix it? Am I trying to do things to make my body healthier or not? you're going to notice that a lot of these things, once you've written them down, a lot of these things are very simple changes. Some are not. But if you're struggling with self-love, I would just focus on the simple changes first. Because as you start making these little simple changes, like for example, from now on, I'm never going to verbally, out loud, I might think them, but that's, you know, I can start to work on intercepting my thoughts. But what I can help is I'm not going to say out loud to myself, or two other people, anything negative about myself anymore. I'm going to stop putting myself down. That's a great. That's a great um, goal to have. So you can start on that. Then you can think of another thing for your body. I'm going to aim to. Whenever there's a set of stairs, I'm going to walk up those stairs because I respect my body. I want to give it some sort of exercise. If I don't have time to work out, I'm going to walk up the stairs instead of the escalator or the elevator. I'm going to aim to exercise just 10 minutes in the morning or do a 10-minute stretch. I'm going to wake up in the morning and give myself five minutes to meditate because that's five minutes for me and nobody else. And that's how I respect myself first thing in the morning. I'm going to respect myself by making sure that I drink those two liters of water even if I have to set 10 alarms during the day in order to do so but that's how by the end of the day I would know that I did this for me. So there's a million different ways that you can start to respect your body and your mind by looking at that list and thinking these are all the ways I've been disrespecting myself and these are the changes that I can implement immediately and then there's going to be more long-term things that you can implement like getting fit or a healthier diet. And those are things that 100% I recommend you do because the more you can respect your body and your mind, the better you're going to feel, the more worthy you're going to feel to yourself. You'll have self-worth because you are taking actions every day to prove to yourself that you're worth it to do all these things. Another really big way of um, respecting yourself and I would highly recommend you listen back to if you haven't already listened to it is the unsolicited comments one if you can start standing up for yourself even in the most minor ways po- minor ways possible you're going to feel amazing about yourself when someone disrespects you or gives you an unsolicited comment or bullies you or tries to put you down if you can even if it was once a week stand up for yourself defend yourself, protect yourself and say I'm worth more than that and put them in their place or make them feel awkward for saying what they said or pulling them up on their bullshit for saying what they said to you, that is a huge, huge, huge step that you can take to start increasing your self-worth because if you stand up to somebody and say to them I'm not going to take that from you, I'm not going to take you to always calm, never angry, like I said, like I'll go in depth about it in that um in the Unsolicited Comments podcast. I think that's like two or three episodes ago. Then you're going to genuinely, that person is either going to be like, oh, I can't do this anymore to that person. They're either going to feel very awkward and not want to communicate with you because they feel uncomfortable or they're going to start to respect you, right? When you command respect, you then start to respect yourself. It's this like... I want to say vicious circle. I don't know if it's vicious, but it's a circle that feeds itself. It's this idea of like, if I'm commanding respect, people respect me, I'm going to respect myself more. As I respect myself more, I command more respect. So it's not this thing of demanding respect because that kind of shows that you don't have um, strength in character or that you don't really, truly feel confident within yourself. If you're saying to people, you have to respect me, you have to this, you have to that. No, it's the way you carry yourself. It's the way of saying, I'm not going to have you speak to me like that. I don't need your unsolicited comments. I'm going to make you feel awkward for saying that. Bang, 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 bang. I'm not going to shut you down, shut you down, shut you down. I don't need your bullshit. Then you—that that is commanding respect. It's not saying you have to treat me like this. It's just saying I'm not putting up with this. And then they realize what kind of person you are, that you're not going to stand for that, that you'd rather not hang out with them and be and have less friends than hang out with someone who's a dud who's going to put you down. Things like that. If you start emitting that energy, that is a huge way of respecting your mind, your mental health. If you can start respecting your mental health as well as your mind, as well as your body, that is another massive step towards self-worth. Okay, I did say that it was three steps, but I lied. There's a fourth step. It just came to my mind and it's it's so crucial that I can't believe I didn't think this because I've got my notes here and I always like write down in dot points what i'm going to talk about and just before i had to like pause the podcast and i'm like step four here's another one so the last one which i forgot to mention at the start step four is always check in on yourself and see where and if you can improve this is comes back to accountability ownership all of that and growth i think one of the basic human needs is growth i talk about this in the past there's even a podcast on self-growth i believe is there surely if there's not i'm going to do one like next week but anyway it's growth is one of the like the innate human needs that we have if we are not growing then we are stagnant and we are dying so we always want to be growing not just as people as humans but in our relationships in our mental health our mindset everything you always want to see progression in some way shape or form so In order to do that, it does take you having a bit of an inventory into what's currently going on and where you can change and improve. You've always got to be looking at past behaviours and what can be changed because if you don't acknowledge it, you can't change it. So like I did in step three where I said write down a list of ways that you're disrespecting yourself and where can you change. You can now be writing a list on all the three points that I've spoken about today. You can be writing a list of, you know, How am I going to aim to provide value now for people? How can I provide more value? And then in a month, you can, again, check in on yourself and see where you can improve. You can be like, I've been able to do these things and I feel like I'm providing good value, but could I be a better friend in this scenario or could I actually help this person here or not? There's going to be some things that you're absolutely slaying at, you're killing it, you're killing it you know, that needs no improvement because you're amazing and then you can work on something else. But in general, we can always improve. We can always grow. We can always expand on these things. And I feel that if your focus is always on growing and expanding and improving on what you're already doing, including how you treat other people in your relationships, again, your self-respect, self-worth and self-love is going to increase because you have a deeper sense of purpose and you're always growing. Your brain is going to behave very differently if you've got a growth mindset than if you're just stagnant. Because if you're stagnant, your brain can just focus on what is. And if the current what is is not good then you're going to feel shit like if if you're always if it's negative self talk if your relationships aren't good but you're not trying to grow nothing is going to change so it's all well and good to have all these affirmations of like you are enough as you are what you are is enough feel enough that's all well and good to say that but i can guarantee you no one's felt better about themselves by reading a fucking meme that says feel good about yourself you are enough with with who you are that, that, that doesn't fix the problem. Reading that, I can guarantee you no one has read those fucking quotes and says, oh, you know what, fuck, just read that meme. I am enough. I'm going to feel great. No, you're going to feel great by focusing on yourself and thinking, where am I growing? What am I doing even for myself, even if it's not with my relationships? Where can I see growth for myself? Where can I have a proactive mindset where everything's, you know, like working towards something, purpose, purpose, purpose. That's where you're going to feel good. I'm not saying you need to be, you know, the hottest person or the richest person. I never talk about that being an important thing. But I'm talking about you have to always be focusing on growth in order to feel good. It's a human need. So to say, oh, fuck it, I'm in our as I am right now, I'm just not going to bother with anything else that I can guarantee you right now, you're not going to feel great. Okay. So I'm not saying you're not enough. You are, but you need to be always focusing on growth and you're going to fucking feel a lot better if you do that instead of, you know, focusing on what is and, you know, going round and round in circles, only focusing on your life situation as it is and, you know, telling it as it is and only focusing on that instead of thinking about like expanding and growing the brain When you're in a growth mindset and when you're trying something new and when you're working towards something new and when you're learning, your brain is going crazy trying to make these new connections, trying to like um, consolidate new memories, trying to do this, trying to do that. It doesn't have time to be wallowing On shit, right? To be wallowing on these negative narratives that have been created either by you or by other people. It doesn't have as much time to make you feel shit about yourself because it's this proactive mindset. If you stop trying new things, if you stop trying to expand your horizons and make new connections, whether with people or at a job or with nature or with your own body, if you stop doing that, then your brain stops being in that growth mindset, that proactive mindset, and it reverts back to this reactive mindset where it's only focusing on what is currently there. So that is what I want you to be focusing on. Always think about growth. Are you providing value? Do you give a shit about others? Do you respect your body, your mind, and your mental health? Are you always checking in on yourself and seeing where you can improve? Those are the four points that this week I want you to have top of mind. When you wake up, go over those four points every morning. Just have it in your phone or on a piece of paper or wherever. Wake up, have a glass of water and ask yourself those questions. Am I providing value? Do I give a shit about others? Do I respect my body and mind? And how can I improve myself today? Ask yourself those questions in the morning and at night. So it's top of mind and the way you interact with people is hopefully going to change because of these questions that you've asked yourself and you are guaranteed going to feel so much better about yourself, who you are, what you provide for yourself and what you provide for the people that you care about. Amazing guys, as always, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brains, feed your brains with knowledge guys, keep expanding, expanding your brains, expanding your memories, your knowledge, go and live your best life, love you all so much, don't take shit from anyone, especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke!